One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, it's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms tell you what they really think about the TV and movies made for our kids. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And my son is Jay. He is almost 20 months old now. And I have a seven-year-old named Tony and two four-year-olds, they're twins, named Libby and Nate. At this point in our sample doc for today's episode, I have a whole list of disclaimers that I was going to read that Deborah so kindly pointed out to me makes it sound like I think you're all horrible people who are going to say horrible things to us about how horrible we are as parents because we allow TVs in our home. That is a bit of an overreaction, so I will choose to think of you all as kind, wonderful souls and just say that just because we're talking about a certain show doesn't necessarily mean that we've watched that specific show with our kids. How's that? Good. Okay. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Not very defensive at all. (laughs) I try. It's hard, but I try. So I suggested that instead of disclaimers, we just talk a little bit about our screen time policy. And my kids have had screen time for years now. So we have a pretty standard policy where the kids can watch a show or have the iPad and play a horrible, not violent, a horrible video game that's not at all violent <laughs> for about 45 minutes to an hour before dinner time. So I can get that done without major interruptions or meltdowns in the kitchen. And occasionally we watch a family movie together, like on a weekend. And that's pretty much the extent of my kids' screen time. Just have to say that I'm super impressed that the screen time that you allow your kids is while you're doing something productive, like providing sustenance for them. You don't like give them screen time for an hour a day so you can take a breath and have a moment. You know, you're still working. You're always on. Well, there I do breathe while <laughs> I'm making dinner too. It doesn't always take 45 minutes to an hour to prepare my from scratch organic. Well, no, vegan. because you guys eat a raw food diet, right? So that really right. cuts down on the time that it takes. <laughs> right. <laughs> your screen time policy is very well thought out. Jay is a bit younger than your kids, so we really have no screen time policy uh, that's set in stone yet. We are guilty of using the screen when we want to do things like eat out at a restaurant or fly on an airplane without getting excessive dirty looks from other people. I try to not uh, resort to the television during the day if we're just at home. But I have no set policy yet. I'm sure that'll come down the road. Hopefully it will be as sensible as yours. Well, and it's hard when they stop napping. Because what else do you do by like 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, I dread the day. Yeah. So this doesn't really count as screen time. But the last time we were doing a dress rehearsal for the podcast... Uh, It was after bedtime, and uh, my husband was in charge of the kid's bedtime, but the seven-year-old snuck past him. And when I shut down my computer, I turned around, and he was in the doorway of the playroom, and I have no idea how long he was there. 
And he was like, what are you doing? And I said, I was making a podcast with my friend Katie and he has no idea what a podcast is, but I have uh, just an audio recording app on my phone. And so now whenever my kids see my phone anywhere in the house, they grab it, turn on the audio recorder and call it making a podcast (laughs) and sing like silly made up songs. I love that so much. (laughs) It's pretty cute. That is adorable. See, our podcast has already done some good in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really don't think Jay has done anything nearly that adorable this week. I don't have like a super good, adorable kid story to share because Jay was sick all week. So I was guilty of the thing where I let him sleep in the big bed just to get Uh. some sleep. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that was a way for us to finally get some sleep. But I took him into the big bed and it's like he just decided to recite every single word he knows. (laughs) He was so excited to be there and he didn't want to go to sleep. So it was just like toes, shoulder, head, cat, cow, shelf, book, you know, just on and on and on. It did not help us either of us get any sleep, but I suppose it was a valuable vocab exercise. We should have recorded it and called it a podcast. <laughs> I really should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we move on to our topic for the day? Wonder pets. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember the whole theme song and I would chant it enthusiastically. Ooh. Wonder pets, wonder pets, we're on the way. The way. <laughs> All I remember Sick. is we're not too small and we're not too tough, but when we work together, we've got the right stuff. I like oh, that. Oh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> I don't know the tune, though. <laughs> All right, so Wonder Pets, it aired on Nick Jr., and so we have a summary from Nick Jr.'s website. It says... Watch Linny, Tuck, and Ming Ming as they learn, play, and save the day. This groundbreaking musical show is not only about teamwork. The Wonder Pets teaches kids about sharing, helping others, and being a good friend. Three seasons, debuted in 2006. And Deborah, why did we pick this one? We picked it because that teamwork song has been in my household's repertoire for years. And I think that one of my kids picked it up at preschool and then my twins were watching Wonder Pets on the iPad and, you know, I just glanced at it, made sure that it was kid appropriate and was like, what is the deal with this animation? And then I heard the teamwork song and I realized that that's where it was from. And the animation just really made me curious. So that's why I wanted to watch it and talk about it with somebody over the age of four. All right. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about the animation, Um, but maybe we should just do like an episode by episode summary to the extent that we need to. The plot is pretty thin, but. (laughs) Right, right. So we started with the pilot season one, episode one, save the dolphin, save the chimp. And the Wonder Pets live, they're like classroom pets who seem to live in a one-room schoolhouse. And then after the kids and teachers leave for the day, that's when they get to work. And they got a call on a tin can phone in their room. And then they built some kind of vehicle to get to Hawaii 
to save a baby dolphin from a fishing net. They sang a lot of songs. There was a very dramatic orchestral soundtrack to add to the drama of the episode. They enlisted the help of a swordfish to cut the dolphin out of the net and then reunited the baby dolphin with her mommy and daddy dolphin. And then everybody celebrated Hawaiian style in quotation marks, because that's what they said at a luau. And then they ate some celery, which at first I was going to ask you if that's a luau thing or a Hawaiian thing, but it turns out celery, celery ends every episode. The second half of the episode, it's basically the same plot. They get a call from a baby chimp who's up in a spaceship. So they build a space boat and they communicate with the chimp and get him to follow them, but then his space capsule capsule malfunctions, and the poor chimp is just drifting in space, and a meteor is headed right for them. So Ming Ming goes on a spacewalk to fix the chimp's spaceship, and Ming Ming, it should be said, has no qualifications to do anything. <laughs> like, much less fix a spacecraft. So they tow the chimp's capsule instead and reunite it with its mom and dad. And then they get freeze-dried celery because they've been in space. Where, sh- where to even start? Because if you ask me to go off about Ming Ming, I will. There are three of them. Leaning, right. Well, apparently you don't even have to ask me. I'm just going to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there are three of them. Linny, Tuck, and Ming Ming. Two guys and a girl. Mm-hmm. And... Not only is Ming Ming the only girl, she's also the dumbest. And it really got my goat because she was always doing the stupid things. Like, I guess it comes out more in future episodes. But it just really, it was problematic for me from a feminist perspective. I need the one female character to not be the one that's always screwing things up. Right. I guess I didn't. I think they, to me, they were a little more gender ambiguous than that. I guess I, I guess yeah, Ming Ming is the only girl, but I guess Tuck and Tuck and Linny, I didn't really assign genders to, but yeah. Um, so Linny's the turtle, right? Um, Linny is the gerbil. Let me let me check. Or hamster, probably hamster, right? Hamster. Okay, and Tuck is the turtle. Yes. Um, why don't we talk really quick about the animation style because. That kind of animation makes me queasy. What do you call it? So it's like, so to people who haven't seen it, it's like a photograph of an animal's face. And so the eyes move and the mouth moves, but the it's not... Kind of reminded me in some ways of the sort of cutout style that like South Park does. Yeah. But with yeah. actual photos... Which is the part that makes, ugh, that I don't like. I don't know. Something about it just made me physically uncomfortable. <laughs> and it looks, it looks funny. It's strange. You know those stop motion animation things that they would occasionally have when we were growing up as like interstitials on Nickelodeon or whatever, where like paper cups would come flying out of a yeah. cup and they would all line up in a row. That stuff had the same effect on me. I mean, give me claymation any day of the week. I will watch that form of stop motion animation happily. But when it's real world objects or apparently photos of real world objects, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Is it an artistic choice or a budgetary choice? 
I gotta think it's budget. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry, I veered away from the the episode itself. Do you have any thoughts about the dolphin and chimp and the structure of the episode? Well, the two episodes were like the same plot, which for a pilot, for a show geared towards (laughs) preschoolers, seems fine. There were some inconsistencies, like the chimp was in a spaceship and there was a banana floating around. So the banana was in zero G, but the chimp was very clearly like rooted to the floor of the spaceship. Wasn't there also a moment where they were trying to communicate with the chimp and the chimp was trying to talk (laughs) into the banana like it was a phone and they were like, silly chimp, how could that possibly work? Um, Excuse me, you just took a call from outer space from a tin can in your schoolhouse. I don't see why a banana would be an ineffective communication tool in this world. And they actually said, take the banana out of your ear. (laughs) (laughs) There were some funny lines, like probably Ming Ming said, chimps are are like monkeys, but they're smarter. Going back to your gender problem, she also has a speech impediment, which... I mean, the R's, correct me if I'm wrong, because your kids are older, but like young kids, it's really common for them to delay... The development of the R's are like the most difficult sound to make, the most difficult consonant. Yeah, I think that's right. So maybe is it just like a reflection of the world around them? Maybe. Yeah, but that's a lot to put on poor Ming Ming. Yeah, Ming Ming. She was a little bit gonzo, I thought. Yeah. But she did have a lovely sparkly spacesuit. Yeah. The chimp episode sort of reminded me of the novel. Um, Did you ever read The Evolution of Bruno Littlemore? No. It's a book about a chimp who is like a very self-actualized chimp and manages to live as a human. I don't know. I thought there were some parallels between like the little wonder pets, schoolhouse pets, and then after hours. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who's staring at who when you go to the zoo? (laughs) The other thing that bothered me as an adult watching children's programming is that, you know, it had the standard structure of the 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Like, the two A little long. And the plot of each one was essentially the same. But what happened at the beginning of the already super short episode, before they left to go to whatever destination and save whatever animal they had to save, would always be the thing that would help them later on to save that animal. You know, like at the beginning of the first episode, Ming Ming got trapped in some string and they had to cut her free. And then later when they went to save the dolphin, the only way to save the dolphin was to cut the dolphin free. Right, right. And then the same thing happened with the chimp. They had to like tow the boat ship whatever it was right and then that's how they saved the chimp they towed the spaceship so that was a little i can see i understand callbacks to earlier in the episode but when the episode is only 15 minutes long it felt like you know how in law and order they always introduce the suspect who is the murderer first and you know that (laughs) and so there's no real surprise at the end when they're like oh that guy's the murderer right right So, all right, well, okay, should we move on to the second episode? 
Sure. Your summary game is way better than mine. I feel good that we already established that all the episodes are pretty much the same, so I don't have to feel too bad when I don't have all the details of season one, episode six, Save the Caterpillar and Save the Crane. For some reason, the beginning of the episode, the classroom is all decorated like ancient Greece, and they get a call on the phone from Greece. And it is an inchworm saying that his friend, the caterpillar, is in trouble and needs help. So they go to save the caterpillar. Turns out the caterpillar is not in trouble. He has just woven his cocoon to become a butterfly. The overall lesson is about patience. So they have to wait for the butterfly to come out of the cocoon. And then there was actually this kind of sad, bittersweet interaction between the inchworm and the butterfly where they realize that they don't like the same things anymore, but they want to try to still be friends. It was actually really sad. And in the end, they kind of came to some sort of decision that they could still be friends because with a lot of help, the butterfly could carry the inchworm on its back to fly. I don't know. I thought that one was actually kind of sad. It was sad. It reminded me of like the classic coming of age plot line where like the front you know there's like two girls and they're best of friends and then one like goes through puberty early and gets into the cool group of friends and then doesn't like to nibble on leaves anymore yeah it was sad it was sad maybe i was giving the show too little credit oh well do inchworms turn into anything i don't think they do i think they're just inchworms yeah I think so. The next episode was Save the Crane. And this one was also a slight departure in that instead of going to a real place like Hawaii, outer space, or Greece, they went inside a painting to save a baby crane that was threatened by an erupting volcano in a painting that was in their classroom. Like a Japanese scroll yeah and they actually said what the style of painting was and now I feel like a jerk because I don't remember what it was I don't remember either but apparently their magical vehicle allows them to fly into two-dimensional paintings in addition to far-off places so they saved the crane I wrote what into a painting WTF (laughs) why not Japan (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They go to get into their ship. They realize they forgot the wheels. They had to put the wheels on, make a big deal out of it. They flew into the painting. The only way to save the crane was to put wheels on its nest and get right. it away from the erupting volcano. Uh, and I have nothing else written about the summary of this one, so sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. I like the minute that it turned into a Japanese painting. I got my. Did you ever read the um, website Yo Is This Racist? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> like my yo is this racist radar like immediately went up and I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this because when they go to Greece they don't they don't make any stereotypes about Greek people. But like I'm thinking of the Daddy Crane's accent. Yeah. It was really like a stock Asian character racist accent. Which, that, tur- that turned me off from from this episode and maybe the show. The racist radar did go off a little bit about the crane. 
All right. Did they eat celery? Did they eat celery in in the Japanese painting? Yeah, yeah, sushi celery. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, I mean, if that's what it's going to take to get your kid to like sushi, I guess I'm on board. Right, right. That being said, my kid would never eat celery. No, mine either. All right, moving on. So the next episode we watched was from season three, episode 19, Back to Kalamazoo, and then Bug Bee and Slug Underground. So in Back to Kalamazoo, the Wonder Pets get a call from Ming Ming's Aunt Eleonora, who asks them to look after Ming Ming's cousin Marvin, who's trouble, or twubble. (laughs) (laughs) So they go to Kalamazoo to babysit Marvin. And this was a little departure from the Save a Baby Animal episodes that we watched first, which was refreshing because I was a little concerned that every single episode would have the same plot. And then they do save Marvin because he takes off in a plane and almost crashes into a water tower. And it was more of a fable, I thought, um, because it was about listening and paying attention or maybe that just goes back because in the classroom, Ming Ming wasn't listening or paying attention. Again, it's Ming Ming. Yeah. She's the problem. Yeah. Those ladies don't know how to listen when men talk. Ooh, it's wonder an pets. message. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so racist and misogynist. That's really firing on all cylinders so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in BN Slug, this was a total departure. First of all, it had a slug with a British accent, which was really cute, I thought. It was really adorable. And it didn't start in the classroom, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it started it just with starts being out with, slug. Yeah, and they venture underground and get stuck in some mud. So that's when they call the Wonder Pets, and that's when we see the tin can ringing in the classroom. So the Wonder Pets use a digger boat vehicle to drill underground they try to rescue Bee and Slug. Ming Ming goes in, gets yeah. stuck. And then Tuck and Linny use the digger boat to rescue Bee, Slug, and Ming Ming. And then they all enjoy underground celery, which is like celery, but in psychedelic colors. <laughs> <laughs> I had totally forgotten about the psychedelic celery. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that this was the only half episode that I could even remotely say that I liked. I was charmed by Bee and Slug. If the whole show could be Bee and Slug, I would be on board. I'd totally watch a spinoff of Bee and Slug. Mm -hmm. There were a few funny moments, I thought, like, and I think it was Ming Ming who was like, he can drive, he's fairly precocious. (laughs) There were some funny lines like that. And in Bee and Slug, it was probably Ming Ming who was like, the center of the earth sure is sparkly. <laughs> I thought that Bee and Slug got in some really good zingers, too, uh, which was probably why I liked them, because they were kind of sassy. Like when they were stuck in the mud and Lenny and Tuck and Ming Ming were talking about how to get them out, they were like, no more thinking, we're sinking. <laughs> and then later when they were debating how to like go in and get them, Bee and Slug were like, what are they going to do? I think they're going to dig. When it was very obvious they were going to dig. It felt like they were saying a little bit what I was thinking, that be and slug. I was trying to think of if Wonder Pets were made into like an adult show, who would play the characters? 
And I feel like Rebel Wilson would do a good Ming Ming. Because she wouldn't be serious about it. Yeah, I could get on board with that. See, I had Anna Ferris just because she does stupid so well. She would really like steer into that. Oh, that's a good one. What kind of a show would it be? Like, could you compare it? Like, if you were to compare it to any adult show that you watched? This is not maybe a good comparison because I haven't actually seen it. (laughs) But the movie where Seth Rogen, I think he plays the Green Lantern. Okay. Is that like? Oh no! Isn't it the Green Hornet? It's another green thing because the Green Lantern was Brian Reynolds. Oh, Uh, don't ask me how I know this, but I think it's the Green Hornet. But you're on the right track. Yeah. So like a superhero movie where the superhero doesn't take themselves seriously. Well, I already ruined my surprise and said I think it's like the worst Law and Order episode where you know exactly what's going to happen, exactly when it's going to happen. But maybe not even yeah. Law and Order, because Law and Order is good. It would have to be like Law and Order Criminal Intent, which I think we can all agree is the worst Law and Order. Ooh, or CSI Miami. Yeah, with the puns. No, that's even better. <laughs> CSI Miami. I think that's, okay, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Lenny is the guy with the glasses, who is always making not funny comments. Yeah. I like that. Horatio. Horatio. And uh, he's played by uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who can mansplain everything to everyone. I was also thinking, like, Kevin Hart, because this is another, this is a kid's movie, but he played that, like, evil bunny in Secret Life of Pets. I feel like he, I feel like he'd be a good uh, Lenny. Now, in this version, would they be... Well, I guess, yeah, they would still be animals. I'm just picturing these adult actors as, like, a hamster and a duckling <laughs> and a turtle. <laughs> I actually kind of love it. But I was thinking that uh, Seth Rogen would make a good duck. Well, we have a cast. Yep. Anna Ferris, Kevin, Kevin Hart, Hart, and, and Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. The Wonder Pets. <laughs> kind of wish that Kevin were watching it with me because there's this one thing that Ming Ming sings at the beginning of every episode after you know the baby in peril calls they're singing about how they're gonna go save the yada yada and Ming Ming always goes this is serious oh yeah that was funny and I can see that becoming just like a little secret language code in the house like for something that's (laughs) going on (laughs) Honey, we're out of milk. This is serious. <laughs> if you want to give your child a speech impediment. <laughs> All right, should we do, should we attempt to each do just 10 seconds on whether or not this would actually be good for our kids? Sure. All so right. I guess to answer the question, do I think this is good for my kids? You just wasted I... four seconds. Start again. <laughs> <laughs> good for kids i like the teamwork song i feel like they could watch a couple of episodes get the teamwork down without the misogyny and it's okay all right that was a little more than 10 seconds but sorry (laughs) (laughs) i think it's actually probably perfect for where jay's attention span is at right now even though i don't like it 
but considering the fact that we don't really let him watch anything, I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to let him watch this. Right, right. And I wasn't even timing myself. Sorry if that was more than 10 seconds. Is there ever an instance in which you would watch this all by yourself, voluntarily? Oh, God, no. Never. You? No, neither. No. I would probably listen to the songs as a soundtrack if my only other choices were like Mannheim Steamroller Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess to go along with that, if I had eaten something poisonous and I had to make myself sick and I had already (laughs) taken like Ipecac or whatever the non-Anne of Green Gables modern equivalent of Ipecac is that's supposed to make you vomit and I wanted something to speed up the process because of the way this animation style makes me queasy, I guess then maybe I would turn it on, but I would probably just go to the ER at that point. So two out of five stars? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to give it a one for me. A one for me and not a preschooler. Right. Because of the misogyny, because Ming Ming had to be the dub one, because of the animation style, because of all those things. Just got to be a one for me. Yeah. I think I'd still give it a two because of the British accent. Oh, yeah. B and Slug. Oh, sorry, B and Slug. slug. Oh. That's okay. They're characters. <laughs> They're not going to get offended by your one star. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk us out? Sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review on iTunes. Tweet us with show or movie suggestions or general comments at, at my screen time 2 And you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time!